No, it was some something that scroll over on Twitter, and it's some woman with this giant silver mustache. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now, take advantage of the Soccer90.com special ball sale. Every soccer ball is 50% off regular price for a limited time only while supplies last. They got a wide variety of soccer balls, MLS, Women's World Cup, European Club and League balls. Man, they got a lot of balls over there at Soccer 90. We're talking all kinds of soccer balls, pro balls, mini balls, 50% off. And of course, Third Degree listeners get 20% off all other kinds of orders with the code Third Degree at checkout. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode, number 231 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hope you made it home safe last night. Hi, it's me, Peter, and I am joined not by one, but two. All three of us are here tonight. He's returned. He's back, tanned and ready to go. The amazing Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Hey, soccer friends. What's going on? Oh, you even sound like you're a bit chipper. Nah, nah, it's all a facade. Okay, all right. You're just putting on a good, uh, happy face for everybody? Yeah, yeah, it lasts like five minutes, maybe. Typical, miserable English self, I hope. Always. All I right. mean, uh, you know, if nothing else, I'm honest. And uh, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, and yes, the original Buzz Carrick, come and buzz. Hi, Peter. I'd like to personally thank Luton Town for finally winning a game so that Dan would come back to the podcast. <laughs> Celebrating <laughs> his first Premier League win. How did it feel, Dan? It was, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, then uh, not winning in the week uh, kind of took a little bit of the shine off it. But, you know. Also, Peter, we should mention that this is the first podcast since Dan's birthday. So, happy birthday, Dan. Oh, happy when Dan's been here. Right. That's Thank right. You. I forgot about that. Happy birthday, Dan. Thank you so much. How's it feel to be 67? It's 37. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it's, I am uh, pleased to report to the curious listening to the pod that we have not one, but two eyewitness reporters that were on the scene last night during natural disaster talk. So we'll uh, have some firsthand reporting uh, from the scene of the uh, amazing stuff that happened last night at Toyota Stadium. Well, I will admit that I did not see any of the truly amazing stuff. But oh. the, when the weather came through, it came through fast because that was about the fastest drop of 20 degrees that I've ever experienced uh, in less than a minute. And then that way, what would be probably, you know, the early makings of a cyclonic sort of wind tornado wishy kind of thing. I'm not going to say it was a tornado. It was nowhere near that, but it was like, it was a swirling dervish that bigger than I've ever been in, uh, which is not to say very much, but that kicked up a lot of dirt and stuff all over the place. And then the skies opened up and it dropped a lot of rain, but that wind was at a level that uh, it was pretty remarkable since it started ripping parts of the stadium apart. And there's a bunch of clips on Twitter. I reached one of some of the worst of it, you know, throwing around uh, trash cans, apparently, which I know Dan can add more on um, and big signs and big chunks of building and all kinds of stuff. 
Yes, I'm sure many people are familiar with the two reported victims, uh, one of which we'll talk about here later, a little bit later in the pod, but I am just learning that Dan himself is a <laughs> victim of last night's fiasco, an actual victim here on the pod. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a weird one. Um, got into this, uh, yeah. A friend texts like, hey, I got a couple of tickets. Do you want to go? And they weren't planning, but, you know, so the wife and I went. We get into the stadium right as the uh, whole red alert thing for the players to, you know, supposed to be coming out plays and like, okay, let's get get a couple of dollar hot dogs on the way to the seats. And it just starts hammering down and uh, shielded by by the, the Hall of Fame Winds really start picking up. You just hear a ton of screams, and and uh, I guess she jumps out the way of a trash can that gets blown across, <laughs> and then at the very last second goes bang. I start to turn around. This thing just like wallops me in the ankle. <laughs> then we end up taking shelter in that in the concession stand, which is great. Ordering beer from inside of the thing. It was inside of the concession stand. A lot quicker, a lot easier. Um, it's like a bar, but cleaner. Did you five finger discount a Snickers or a bag of uh, popcorn or something? No, nah, I, was, I was. I was very thankful for uh, the hospitality and that. So. Well, no, I'm, was, uh, I'm glad uh, to know that you survived the attack of the flying trash can, Dan. <laughs> it was just funny watching the. Uh, you know, I turned to to, you know, hear where the screams come from. Look to where like where the the flags are by the east gate. The flags are virtually ripping off the poles at this point. And then I see a Continental Tires board just fly past. And I was like, that should be by the field on some grass. And it's all the <laughs> way up here. Man, it was uh, crazy scenes uh, last night. And we will talk more about all of that here a little bit later on. But, Buzz, let's get to the business at hand, which is, mm. you know, we were planning on having two games to talk about for this episode. But obviously, we only have one. And I'm, uh, I've am i been noodling on the impact of the fact that this game last night is now postponed and what that means for the larger picture. Because I think there's lots of interesting ramifications out of that. But... Let's start off in Houston, down in Houston at the Dynamo on Saturday. We all know Houston has won the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, they have done a flip-flop of uh, form in this season, much like, you know, I think in some ways it's interesting because they've had a similar uh, conversion from a really crummy to a really good season in the same way Dallas did from 21 to 22. Uh, and, I, you know, Nico went down with, there with his crew and just did everything possible to make it the most boring soccer game in the of the season so far didn't he yeah i think that my uh three things from that game was about the most frustrated you'll ever hear me in terms of Boy. performance <laughs> yeah i had not watched the game and after watching your three instant reaction comments yeah. i was like yeah i think i'm okay i don't think i have to watch this one man it was just a whip you know it i can i can understand a tactic of you know, you're going up to Philadelphia, a place that you've not done well against a team that is really, really good. But I don't think Houston is all that much better than FC Dallas. They have four more points on one more game played. You know, th- those teams are all not separated by that much, in my opinion. They they would have just won the Open Cup 
right before Dallas played them. So they're going to come off a little bit of a hangover on that. They were clearly going to rotate a couple of guys. That's what everyone was talking about. I think it was pretty obvious that was going to happen. I don't think that going to Houston is necessarily a place that you've really struggled and that you need to go down there with like this incredible grinded out sort of philosophy. And in particular, what drives me crazy about this game is that they use the 3-4-3 again, which is a, a formation that Dallas does not play properly, not because I'm sure coach doesn't want it to be played properly, but because the wings don't perform it properly. And you end up with, um, and I think part of it, I should say this too, I think part of the reasons why they don't play it properly is that this particular coach, based on my observation of his tactics, does not like his outside backs or wing backs or whatever they are to be this the total width of the team. He doesn't want them running end to end. He wants them to maintain this defensive shape. Often, basically, it's a five back, basically, often, instead of a three back. But that means that in order to be have that be the case, in order to maintain that stability, you have to have your wings play wide. Well, in a 3-4-3, three, three, when you do that, you've abandoned the middle, and your two men in the middle just, just get absolutely overrun by everybody. And that happens every time they play this formation. So particularly, in my opinion, when you're playing against Houston, who has a very, very good midfield group with Hector Herrera and Coco Kiriski, who didn't play in this game, they rotated him out. But um, their six is, is it Victor, I think, is their six. I don't remember the, the exact names of some of these guys, but they have a very quality central midfield. And Dallas basically abandoned the midfield. This was the worst possession we've seen. It's the second worst possession on the year. I remember looking that up. It's 37%, and it resulted in four total shots only two on gold, which I think was probably a combination of like the second least amount of shots all year and probably the least amount of shots on goal all year. Effectively, they had zero chance to, to score in this game and therefore zero chance to win this game. So to me, that tactic is ridiculous. And now I know that it's late in the season. I know they're trying to grind out points. I know they're trying to get every measly point they can, but I don't think that Houston needs to be treated as if they're LAFC or Miami with Messi. You know, like, so like this, this, this formation, this tactic to me took the team out of any chance to win. And in particular, what I don't understand is why are you moving Alan Velasco out of the middle after it was clearly demonstrated over the middle two months of the season that this team's at its best when Alan's playing that 10 sort of role underneath and how much better they were in that shape. Now, all of a sudden we've, we've watched the team completely abandon that and put him back on the wing again. And so there's, there's lots of things happening in the last couple of games that I don't understand at all. And the worst part for me, of course, is that because they've been playing every Wednesday, I haven't been to training in a month now because the schedules don't allow me to do it. Uh, practice isn't open. And so I don't really have any answers for some of this stuff. I'm just mystified by what's happening in the last game or two. I, I get the sense and my frustration and comment, you know, my comments about how boring this team is, uh, is uh, I understand that it, it, he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to get this team to the playoffs. But what I'm curious of is what is he going to do when he gets to the if let, let's just assume they get there. How far does this go? Does this mean as soon as you get to the knockout game, if they qualify eighth or ninth, that they continue to play this? Probably. I mean, listen, I, I will give them a certain amount of credit here because they went uh, so far. They're undefeated in this seven games in 22 stretch. Now they haven't won, but they also haven't lost. Right. Right. So also for the entire month of September, they did not lose a game. They had five draws and one win. So there is a school of thought that that tactic is 
kind of working in a way, I guess. But I think that just tying like all these games isn't enough. It's the failure to win home games is particularly egregious. And if you go back to the crew where who are the best offensive team in the league, I can sort of buy that tactic. That that's what you want to do is like try and shut down their offense. But it didn't really give you again much of a chance to win games. At some point you got to win games. Now that brings you to the playoffs question. Do they continue to do the same thing? You know, probably, honestly, they do. Because there's there really isn't a lot of people on this team that can score goals other than Jesus Ferreira. Yeah. And he's in a drought. There's no question about that. He's stagnant since he got back other than the RSL breakout game. So I'm sure the philosophy probably has devolved to the point where it's like, we're going to try and kill as much of the play as possible, keep it 0-0, and hope Jesus can do something magical and steal the game. That's what I see. That's what it looks like to me. And I don't know why you wouldn't continue to that if if you don't feel like you have anybody else that can score. Hmm. Dan, did you happen to watch this game? Uh, sorry, about 30 minutes of it. Um, thankfully, that was all. I did just go back and watch a couple of highlights, and I definitely didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's funny. I was kind of figured, let me take a look at stats. Um, and and Buzz talking about you know you don't have chances you're not gonna gonna win the game. Their xG was the lowest. It's the lowest in four years. Uh, um, North point yeah. three. And I, I went to look back. Like when was the last time they actually won a game with as low xG as that? Because I know you know it obviously doesn't mean any. You know it doesn't mean everything. There's always got to be context and. June 29th, 2018, a 1-0 away win to Minnesota was the last time they won with that kind of crappy and an attacking output. Yes, go down. Sorry. I was going to say, and the the scary part about it is more than 50% of that number came from Jesus Ferreira's third-minute shot. Yeah, I think if you – I went and looked back at all the low-possession games – for the season, you know, which is not the same as XG, but it gives us a, a sort of flavor. And this is the weird part, right? If the, if the six lowest possession games, their record is two, one, and three. They only lost one game. So they've, of the other five out of six, they got a point or a win. Now, the, the difference is, as Dan mentions, the XG. If you don't manage to get any opportunities, like this team thrives on low pressure, Right. We know that not low pressure, I'm sorry, low possession. They always want low possession and they always want to quickly counterattack and get forward. The difference is, as Dan mentions, it's the XG, which is a roundabout way of saying opportunities to score. Again, low possession is okay. Not getting any opportunities, only four shots on goal, right? Really bad XG. So this is the thing. It's not that they, they didn't want the ball. That's always the way it is. It's that the formation didn't allow them to do anything and give themselves any chances to score. And that's what's mystifying. And that's what's concerning. All right. But are we looking a gift horse in the mouth in the fact that, to your point, Buzz, they haven't lost a game at yeah, all yeah. in six weeks or whatever it's been, six, seven weeks. Uh, they went through the month of September, which was a stretch of games that we were all really, really worried about. And they came through it relatively unscathed. And so are we, you know, are, yeah. are, we un, are we being unfair and being critical about how they went about getting to this point? Well, to be totally fair, they, have, they continue to get a point. They continue to tie games. And so they have not fallen down 
worse than ninth. They've maintained their position. But you also see teams tightening the gap, right? Because mm-hmm. now Minnesota, Kansas City, and Austin are now all on 38 when those teams were all like five or six points back right. a couple of weeks ago. And you're not making up any ground. Like you're, you're on 41, and right in front of you on San, San Jose at 42, who you're about to play, Portland on 43, Houston on 45, Vancouver 46, Seattle 46, sorry, Salt Lake 46. Those teams were all there for the taking. Like if you won a couple of games instead of tie, you might be having home field advantage in the first round instead of being the road team in the knockout game. So sure, credit that you didn't lose, you're still in the playoffs. And remember, the Hunt said that back in the playoffs is the bare minimum, right? So maybe that's fine, but I don't think that you're giving yourself much opportunity. You want to be able to win games. You need to be able to win games because even if you even if you limp in on ties, if you can't win a game, you're not going anywhere. So right. You know, at some point, what's the point? At some point, you gotta try and win, and that's where I, I begin to see worry because I see tactics being laid out that to me don't look like they're trying to win. They look like they're trying to tie and that's, trying not to lose. Trying not to lose, which is a totally fair. I get it. And maybe if it gets you in the playoffs, it'll be okay. But listen, again, this team's got some problems. You know, we know it's not an MLS Cup team. You know, and this late in the season, there's some things I want to talk about, like personnel-wise, that what we're seeing this late in the season that are kind of interesting, but. We'll come back to that. Um, I just, I'm just a little mystified by the, the, this overall don't lose at all kind of mentality versus trying to win. Say, well, even some of the home ones, you know. Well, let me ask you this, Buzz, because this is a conversation all three of us had a lot in the post-Oscar years, and I know that a lot of people listen to this and go, "Oh, there they go again, talking about Oscar, mm-hmm. you know, the good old days." But yeah. one of the comments. Uh, that many people agreed with with Oscar is that Oscar made a lot of lemonade out of a roster of lemons. Yeah. And is there an argument to be made that Nico may in many ways have an even worse roster or an equally lemon-filled roster, and he's just trying to make the best lemonade he can make out of what he's got? Yeah, that's possibly true. I still think that well, what I think the, the difficulty here is is the is, to circle back to the process idea. I don't think that Coach Nico Steves has yet transitioned this roster to 100% players that he wants to play the way he wants to play. Right. So that's part of it. This is year two. I, I, I'll give you that. But on the other side of the coin is that, yes, Oscar made lemonade out of lemons. He won games that way. And he won a supporter shield and then tied for a supporter shield and lost a goal differential or whatever it was. Point being is that he had the team at the top of the standings, not scratching and clawing to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Those are very, very different things. So I, I, I don't necessarily, you know, listen, I'm not out on Nico Stevens by any means. I just am occasionally mystified by how aggressively he has the mentality of trying to tie games and grind out games as if his team is not nearly as good as he wishes it was. And I, I don't think it's as bad as that, you know, other than their inability to score by anybody else but Jesus. Maybe that's the recognition that Jesus is in a funk and nobody else can score, and so I'm going to do what I have to do. Maybe that's where we are. Well, he's also burdened with a really weird set of attacking options. Very, very few, right? I mean, they went out and got a winger in the transfer window who's been worthless. Uh, Obreon is Obreon. Depending on the game, you may get a good or a bad one. Areola's been hurt for most of the season and only recently has started to come back. Jesus, obviously, we, we just mentioned. Legette has been, you know, absent all season, comes back, starts to show some form, and now is 
by all accounts, done for the season, or at least the regular season. I, who else am I forgetting? Uh, Velasco. I mean, you know. Yeah, that, he was the Sonox. Yeah. He, he didn't, he, uh, you know, he, not only his, was he hurt for a period of time, but he also struggled at the beginning of the season, only recently kind of came back and showing a little bit here and there. The other guy that they uh, spent a lot of uh, uh, money on is supposed to be the backup nine, and he's maybe the most useless of them all. So I, you know, I, I, to me, when I think about it, and I try to be, I try to be pragmatic and 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 fair about it. Maybe this is just him just trying to do the best he can to get the most out of this thing. Yeah, I and mean, we even saw now that Celia have to start some games, you know, because of. The, the, the lack of pieces or whatever, uh, you know, which brings me back to the mystifying idea, idea of uh, Alan Velasco's lack of production on the outside and how much better the team looks collectively offensively when he's inside to mm-hmm. then now give up on that and move him back outside. So yeah. that's another mystifying choice. You know, there, there must be some deficiency that he's trying to overcome with that move, uh, you know, which could bring you into a conversation about overthinking things and, and, Coming back to the idea that I always express, and I don't know where, Dan, you are in this, but the idea that, like, I want to play the way I best play and not not try and to over-respond to whatever you're doing to stifle what you're doing. And those are two very different philosophies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, absolutely ate up when Lucci or Oscar or even Nico talk about being the protagonist. The protagonist sorry. You know, you want to you want to set the pace. You want to dictate things. You want to you know, absolutely bring it because otherwise you go into a, you know, a game like what could have happened last night where you're playing a opposition that is quality wise a little bit beneath you and you're realistically going to let them come at you and they're, they're going to be the standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I found the cancellation of last night's game. We're recording this on Thursday, obviously. All the more disappointing because based at least on the lineup, Buzz, the 11 yeah. that he had lined up, there was actually kind of, uh, you know, look, they we're going to play Colorado, who are terrible, who are out of this. They are, uh, you know, <laughs> they're just waiting for somebody to come and club them and put them out of their misery. And it looked like Nico was going to put an ag- an attacking aggressive team on the field, and that would have been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's the weird thing is that to go from these overly defensive, overly stagnant formations to then go to a four four two on paper, it looked like with O'Brien up up top, and then a double eight and no sixes at all, uh, which is you know you can do that in a four. You know, and both Paxton and Yaramendi are ones to play a little bit deeper and have a little bit of that characteristic in them. So you probably can get away with it in that setup. But to me, that's kind of fascinating. Now, if you take that on paper lineup and you rotate it, you can easily rotate it to where Velasco's a winger instead of being, you know, a wide midfielder. Or same thing with Obreon rotating up and being, uh, sorry, Ariola rotating up and being a winger. You know, you can see ways that that thing can shift. Maybe maybe Velasco shifts into the middle and it's a four two three one instead, you know. But the, the, to, for this coach, they tried it on. I think I can't remember which game it was. They did this through substituting. They ended up in this formation, this double eight formation, for like a twenty minute stretch. And to see them line up to start that way is absolutely fascinating to me. For this coach of all coaches, who to me is rigidly defensive in shape and formation, to want to try a double eight look without a six at all is. 
oh man, I was actually really excited for this game. I really wanted to see it because of that idea. You know, because if you could figure out how to do it with Paxton and ERM Indy going forward as you're and, and have a double eight and have and not have to be over reliant on Facundo and Frazier, that would be that would be outstanding. Yeah, there was a lot of different uh, possibilities out of the formation. I mean, hell, I could have seen them. Uh, flipping into kind of a diamond midfield with a you know, you're sitting uh, Elara sitting a little behind Paxton playing yeah or a Bach I mean there's yeah. all kinds of things that we may have gotten last night that we didn't who were the two starting backs last night I forgot center backs center backs with Terafari and Ibiaga we should talk about that too yeah okay go ahead yeah because since the game Martinez. Uh, had that knock. Uh, I want to say it was the either the Nash game or game or the Philly game. I don't know which one, it, which one it was. He had to sub out at like the surprisingly. He was it looked like he was supposed to go to the seventy fifth minute, and they had to emergency sub him out. And I can't remember who they brought in. It might have been Dante Celia. I don't remember who it was. Since that pull that moment, the Martinez triple center back rotation has stopped. It's mm-hmm. been Ibiaga and Tafari. Every time since then, and we even talked about it on the podcast, like, oh, that's what it should be. And sure enough, it has been. So I think it says something that since that moment, we've not seen Martinez start. And now we've seen a game with no Facundo, Quinone, and there's been less and less reliance on those two guys down the stretch. And I think that says something. I think that's those are two guys whose contracts are coming up, you know, and, and maybe maybe late in this season as pressure mounts, Coaches tend to lean towards more and more and more to guys that they trust. You see less and less rotation. You see less and less of these guys getting the game here or game there. You see more and more reliance on who can I absolutely positively 100% count on. Mm-hmm. And I think it raises a couple of red flags. Maybe something we probably were already anticipating, but you know, it's 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 always interesting. The other thing, anything about the lineup last night, Dan, that we didn't comment on that you wanted to point out at all? Uh, no, Unless you're still I, concussed from the trash can, <laughs> ankle concussed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I gotta be honest. I uh, didn't even look at the lineup until like nine o'clock. <laughs> when there was that first hint of, oh, maybe maybe we'll get a game tonight. I was like, oh yeah, should probably take a look at that now. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the whole weather and procedure and 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 the story of uh, our new addition to the list, which I'm so excited about. Um, I, the other thing that I, I was thinking, Buzz, is I'm trying to figure out if the fact that now this game against Colorado is apparently now going to fall sometime during this internet, this upcoming international break, yep, um, actually plays into Dallas's favor or not because it's against Colorado and it's not like Colorado's going to lose anybody, but now they get San Jose first. And that's a six-point game. Yep. So I don't know. I can't figure out if the fact that they it, it, this game getting postponed or not is a good or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think that the right now the rumor, the scuttlebolt, 100% unofficial assumption by people that are around this team is that it'll be that Saturday that they had a game the off. The 14th? The 14th. You know, yeah. why would it not be that day? You know, I mean, you could probably come up with some reasons, but I, I can't think of what they would be. I don't think there's any, I don't think any MLS team is playing on the 14th. Well, yeah, it's point. the final international window. So like, you know, the way MLS well, that's works. never is stopped it, MLS before. Has no, it? no, I'll, I'll explain that part. <laughs> MLS, 
uh, gives teams the options to because the international windows are planned way way out in advance. Right. So they uh, when they do the schedules, they give the MLS teams the option to play in some of them or not. You have to play in a couple of them because of the schedule load. But you can pick which ones you want. So most everybody leaves this last one open, you know, perhaps partially for this reason, so that you can put it in there if you have to. But also in the stretch run of the playoff chase, you're not going to have people missing. But if you're FC Dallas, you didn't lose Jesus Ferreira for this window. Right. Right. You could have, but you didn't. Maybe you might lose Alan Velasco, but you're, I don't know. He was just got back from a 23 camp like a week, two weeks ago or whatever it was or a month ago. So would he be gone again? But that's it. You're not going to lose anybody else. Yeah, there are there are two MLS games on the 14th already scheduled. Nashville hosting New England and the Galaxy hosting Real Salt Lake. That's right. So Real Salt Lake also is the other team with three games left. So yeah, uh, they both play on the 14th. So it, it, it lessened the load this week and it allows you to be fresher for San Jose without having a midweek game, you know, whatever light rotation you didn't do in this game and might've had to do versus San Jose, you now longer, no longer have to do. So you're, you're now looking at games on Saturdays over three straight weeks. You can basically play your best 11 now against San Jose, against Colorado, against LA, where before you maybe had to maybe, maybe this game or maybe San Jose, you had a little rotation for each one. perhaps mm-hmm. it's hard to say, depending on what his thinking about the rosters at this point. So I think it absolutely plays into their hands, given that you didn't lose anybody. If you'd have lost Jesus, of course, it would have been a disaster, but you didn't. So piece of cake. I think as well, you know, you, you want to get into the playoffs. You want to you want to come in hot. You don't want to limp in backwards. So, yeah, you get you don't have that weird cool down in the international break. You can, you know, play San Jose at home. That there's, there's an advantage playing them at home. You can then play Colorado at home, your final home game, kind of make it a bit of a bigger deal, go into the game with the Galaxy and, you know, potentially w- walk into the playoffs seven points better off or, or so. So I, I really think this, this is actually a really massive benefit. Like you couldn't have, in terms of how you help the team, you know, once you didn't lose Jesus, it's just huge. Yeah, well, that, and along with the fact that uh, nobody got injured. Nobody got a, a – don't we have a couple guys on cautions? Like nobody's going to be yellow card suspended. The San Jose game's the important game because it's the six-point game. Yeah. Right? And they, ha- and they and by the way, San Jose ends their season at home against Austin. Well, who's charging too? Yeah, you got to hope – hopefully they'll take care of each other. <laughs> so yeah. – I think it does. I, you know, now that we've had this conversation, I do think this helps. I think this plays well into Dallas's his situation. I don't know how many of the three games they're going to, how many points they're going to have to get out of the three games to, to move up. But it does feel like my initial re- worry was, oh no, this is really going to clog the calendar, or something is going to be negative about yeah. this suspe- this uh, postponement of the game. But now that I think about it, and after hearing you two, I think this actually helps Dallas. Yeah, as long as they don't lose Alan Velasco, and I, I have no idea if Argentina is doing anything at all. I, I really don't know. But you know, we know what U.S. is doing. And we know we're not losing Jesus. So wouldn't we have heard by now? I mean, you would think so, but. You know, I, I don't. Who knows? Sometimes with South American teams or well, I know, or a U twenty three team, they could call them up for that again, I suppose, or something. Well, didn't I? Didn't I see an? Uh, uh, didn't I see today that Messi got called up to the Argentinian national team, and there's oh, a big outcry about that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I admittedly have not. You know, I'm not that close a follower of the Argentinian national team. You know, uh, obviously, Velasco is more about the U twenty three team, which is usually flies way under their radar. So you know, it's very possible that he could 
get through it and you know have a call up at the last minute you wouldn't even know right you know, it, it, it wouldn't have been until after the san jose game so maybe they were just sort of waiting a little bit or something you know but yeah I, i'm looking at news right now and you're right that messi's going to join argentina yeah i mean i'm just sitting here looking at the at the numbers uh we know where dallas stands in terms of form they've won one game in their last uh they've they're undefeated in their last what do we say five six games yeah okay uh in front of them is san jose san jose uh, is one four and one in their last six Portland is the team that's really on a roll. They're undefeated in their last one, two, three, four, five, seven. They are four oh no, I'm sorry, five oh and two. So they're on a hot streak. We know what Houston's doing. And you look at Austin, while they won that game against DC three nothing, DC's you know, DC, but they hadn't won a game in their previous one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So I'm not sure Austin is in the best of form at this particular moment. Well, somehow they're just a point back, so they must be doing something right. Well, they tied some games, but they, you know, they in their last five, they were in their last six games, they're one, two, and three. Sorry, Which is too bad. Crazy because their last three games were the Galaxy, Colorado, and DC. You yeah, kind of, you know, you, you you wouldn't expect four points from those three games. Kansas City's been a little hit and miss, but they've won a couple of games, lost a few games. I mean, one of that's against at in St. Louis. One of those is against Nashville, and then Minnesota's the you know really does appear to be dead in the water. They haven't won a game in their last uh, seven. So, I you know it just feels like the game against San Jose being a six point game. If you can get three points over San Jose and catapult yourself in front of them and get at least one or two points against LA or Colorado and end up with four points out of this, you've probably solidified your situation of at least making a play in game spot. I mean honestly when you have two going home games left, could you ask for a better set than San Jose who's no. been reeling and then yeah. Colorado who's the worst? Now listen, those are two teams that have from time to time been big Dallas Boogie teams. But when you look at the current form, you know, I don't know that you could ask for much better than that. You know, maybe Toronto, <laughs> but you're not getting that. <laughs> well, if we're looking at the standings right now with Austin and uh Kansas City and Minnesota all sitting on thirty eight, they each have a maximum capability of forty four points. If they were to that's six points, is that right? Is thirty eight and six forty four? Yes, that's basic math, Peter. So you need if you can get six points, you're at least in ninth place. Yeah. That sounds right. And then you don't have to worry about going to L.A. and futzing it up and futzing it up. And well, you don't what it look, you don't want to leave the road game in oh. L.A. to be the deciding on decision day. Not the way this team plays on the road. No, no. Uh, you want this. You want that to be a game that does nothing but o- other than help buffer and elevate your position in the standings. So maybe you don't have to play the play in game, for example. Yes. Well, I mean, ideally, you would have liked to have gotten higher up and not have the play-in game and even get a home, slight home field advantage. But at this point, I don't think it's very likely. They'd have to really, like, win out in order to even have a shot at that. Because, you know, they're, they're, already, they're already five behind Salt Lake and Vancouver. So you would have to have both those teams stumble. There's a lot of teams stumble. I think it's almost impossible at this point. You well, out. keep a couple things in mind. The final game of this actually works. Decisions Day is going to be fascinating. Because Houston and Portland play each other in Portland on Decision Day. Mm. 
right? And Portland right now is two points behind Houston in that fifth, sixth, and seventh spot. The other one to keep an eye on is LAFC has to go to Vancouver. And Vancouver is on 46 points and LAFC is on 48. Yeah. You're only seven points behind that. That's third place. Yeah. So you, there's a scenario where if you could get seven points and get yourself up to 48, you may end up one of them in one of those home home field advantage positions. I mean, you can get to 50, one out. Yeah, dream. Weird, weird things have happened. We can dream, right, Dan? I mean, you know, you can try. It's just normally like, you know, get squashed and we're in. The... <laughs> this is Dallas after all. Well, right? given the amount of ties this team puts up, uh, I doubt you're going to win out just because that's that would be crazy. I mean, it's like you you would have like a third of all your wins on the year would come in on three straight games. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, the team doesn't win like that. They tie way too often. They keep games close. Yeah. They're uh, they're just so everybody knows right now. Currently, they are seven wins, three losses, five draws at Toyota Stadium. It'd be uh, very symmetrical for them to end up with seven wins and seven draws <laughs> by the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, if that's the way it played out. So. Well, you know, and this team loves to pull the shoot against Colorado, so that'll be a given. You know, so wow, crazy stuff. Uh, all right, so San Jose is now coming to town this weekend, correct? Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see what this team chooses to do, what this coach chooses to do, because now he doesn't have to rotate at all. He doesn't have to worry about any of that management. He can just go full out, best 11. You know, of course, he'll, he'll as he always does, he'll have some sort of tactical plan to try and deal with some aspect of San Jose's game. So you can't make any prediction about what tactics you're going to get. You know, you, you have to just sort of try and analyze San Jose the best you can and see if you can come up with an 11. You know, or an idea of the 11. But I, I think there's a certain amount of assumptions we can make about what's going to happen, right? We know it's going to be pause. At this point, it's going to be uh, Farfan, uh, Ibiaga, Tafari, uh, Tuomasi. That's pretty given. You know Jesus is going to start. If, if Ariel is healthy, he's going to start. If Velasco is healthy, he's going to start. The only question is where is Velasco going to start? Is he going to start in the midfield? Is he going to start on the wing? E.R. Mindy will start no matter what. So that just leaves you some choices. Are you looking at... Facundo coming back in, or are you going to try this double eight look again? Um, are you looking at Velasco on the wing, or is he going to be in the midfield? If he's in the midfield, are you going to who's on the wing? Is it going to be Obreon again? Is it going to be Camungo? If uh, if Velasco is on the wing, who who's the other piece in the middle? Is it Paxton and Yara Mendy with Facundo? So there are some choices up there that were going to be impossible to predict without doing a deeper dive into what San Jose is doing. This isn't a coach who seems to have like a, here's my best 11. You're going to have to deal with it. That's not what he does. You know, at least not this season. He doesn't, you know, or last season either that I can remember. I mean, I wish that it was that way, but it isn't. So we're, we're going to be left, you know, try and maybe we'll learn some things over this last two games, because when you don't have any midweek games, you should be able to line up your best 11, bang, 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 three games in a row. And we probably won't see that. And this buzz is ironically where the postponement of last night actually helps Dallas because now instead of having a midweek game stuffed right up in front against the critical game against San Jose, now they didn't have to play. They get to play San Jose on a week's rest, just like San Jose is on Saturday night. And then they get a full other week off before they have to play Colorado. So this actually in weird ways, other than Dan's ankle and the uh, two other people <laughs> at the game in the uh, drama of all of that, this actually worked out everybody's favor. We all just had to suffer a bit for it 
Yeah, that's what I mean about, you know, it lines the cycles back up. It gets you back on a rhythm. You know, it gets you uh, back to where you don't have to think about man management, minute management. You can limit all that from the conversation. You know, it gets you on the same page as San Jose, the same page as the other teams you're fighting against. You know, it, it, and it gets you back to the way, uh, the structure that you normally want, you know, the normal structure you have in a normal part of the season. So you'll, it'll enable you to feel much better about your path as you come into the playoffs. Thank you for your sacrifice, Dan. Oh, anytime, you know. <laughs> Do you have a mark or a welt on your ankle? Uh, you know, it, it swelled up a little bit. I've got to be honest, I haven't looked at it since this morning. But, okay. uh, yeah. You did you try walking on it since this morning? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, right. it's, like, it's, a, it's like above and behind my ankle. Funnily enough, uh, Myra said in, in our discord server that, uh bad things happen to to my ankles at toyota stadium and it's the same ankle right next to my achilles tendon scar from tearing oh. that playing on a, in a supporters game on the field oh, that's right yeah i forgot that it happened to you um okay buzz can we get into the into the uh, stuff about last night yeah yeah yes um, because, all right, so as everybody knows, the storm front blew in. We knew this storm was coming like, literally since yesterday morning. Like all the weather reports were predicting a rather substantial storm front to blow through sometime during the two hour window of the game. And the kind of the radar reports we were getting a few hours beforehand kind of made it look like it was if it was when it was going to arrive was going to happen somewhere towards the end of the game. We've all lived here. We know what's going to happen before the storm actually arrives. It's going to be the lightning. And that's what ultimately ends up delaying these matches for Dallas all the time. And um, sure enough, the storm actually. So help me figure out because I wasn't there. How, am I correct in saying that the the guys had all come out? They had warmed up. They had done pregame activities, and yep. then every the shit hit the fan. Yeah, they went through the anthem and they did the little pictures and everything, and then they basically at that point there were lightning strikes too close, and they were like waved it off, and everybody went to the locker room. They didn't kick off or anything. So how long between the lightning strikes and um, them deciding to push uh, between the lightning strikes, and then the, when the weather actually hit? About 10 minutes, maybe. Ah, uh, okay. Because yeah. they're at a 30 minute window at this point. When the lightning yeah. strikes, it's a 30 minute, isn't it a 30 minute delay? Yeah, from any, anytime there's a strike within a certain amount of distance, they have to restart the clock. You have to be 30 minutes without lightning in the area. And so they were waiting that period out. And, and after about 10 minutes of all waiting was when that wall, the temperature dropped like a rock and the, the wind went crazy and people started running. <laughs> Did, did they make an announcement in the stadium to go under the concourse or anything like that? Well, when they delayed it for the lightning, you know, they they said the, the stuff they usually say, you know, about weather delays. And when the weather started kicking up again, they reiterated that everybody please take shelter. <laughs> okay. So we have learned that in the course of the dust up and the, and the strong winds and all of that, um, First off, it seemed like a funny story because the, the way we're going to work this just sounds so in, so very Dallas. But there was an eight-year-old kid that got injured. I don't know how. Has anybody heard the details of this kid's injury? I tried I, to watch the news story on that, and it didn't mention the kid at all. Oh, well, well, all I know about the kid was that somehow, I don't know if the kid fell. I don't know if something struck the kid. I don't know it or what happened. 
But the kid apparently ended up having to go to the hospital and was uh, checked and released last night and apparently is okay. Like not like a life threatening, but but we did have a good curious listener injured last night. You're aware of this, right, guys? Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and I am proud to announce that for the first time ever, we have an act. We have a we have somebody added to the list. I think I'm correct, Buzz, in saying that is not from the front office or the team itself, Ooh. but a a fan has actually made the now famous list. Are you not on there being hip checked into the board at the Open Cup game? No, because no. I, I don't think that's I don't <laughs> think that qualifies. Okay. So the uh, honor goes to Colton Stevens, who was very kind to trade direct messages with me uh, this morning and told me the whole story. I'm sure everybody heard by now, but Colton was in section 120. This is the this is the craziest part of the story. Colton is in 126, which is on the east side of the stadium. More than halfway across the expanse of the stadium from the stage end. And he's up towards the top at this point because the weather is hitting and everybody is going up to the concourse end. When he feels himself get struck, as he said, uh, something hit him hard. He thought maybe a, a chair had come loose and it hit him in the shoulder. And it wasn't till later that he found out it was the plastic face of the first letter O in Toyota on the face of the stage banner uh, signing all the way at the north end of the stadium. So that I was doing some math that has to have flown almost a full 80 yards to have hit him where it Mm. hit him. Yeah, I believe it. And he says he thinks it was going about 40 miles an hour by the time it hit him. It's possible. I I saw one of those. Uh, plastic trash cans that are not that light, you know, pick up and fly across the whole field in about three seconds. So the the wind was moving at that point. Is that Dan's Uh, assailant? It could well have been. No, this was on the field, so I don't think it was. Unless it made an end-around run and, like, cycled, circled back, like, went up the stands and circled around the Hall of Fame and got him, then I suppose that's possible. Yeah, I bet that letter has got to be three feet tall. Am, oh, am I, I would exa- have said bigger than that. I think it's probably more like five. Bigger than that, yeah, because because yeah. that that little uh, facade with the Toyota Stadium sign hold it uh, covers the entire catwalk, so you've got to have like a six foot gap there at least. It's crazy that I mean, I, first off, he's lucky it didn't hit him in the neck or the head, or I mean, okay. he's got a pretty he's got a pretty good welt on his shoulder. He he told me in the direct message that he. He immediately left the stadium after it happened. He didn't really know what was going on. He went straight to his car to kind of get out of the weather. But then when he got in the car, he realized his shoulder hurt so badly, he went back into the stadium and found uh, the uh, paramedics, and they gave him a check. You know, they checked him out, told him he was okay, and if he needed to go to a – if it got worse the next day to go to, a you know, an urgent care center or something like that. Okay. Uh, so there is a picture of him, Fox Four put up, of uh, him actually holding a, a fragment of the sign, <laughs> yeah. of of the uh, of the letter O, and he's you know you can see the the inside and outside edge of the uh, of part of the O, and there's you know a good foot there. So the total size of that O is probably five to six feet. 
Yeah, it shattered. He said it shattered when it hit him in the shoulder. And he's got a pretty good-sized welt on his shoulder. That that picture of him with his shirt off made the rounds last night. And then, of course, within 30 minutes after they officially announced the cancellation of the game, I think it was Fox 4 was doing tweets and stuff about the bad weather and people getting injured at an FC Dallas game. And I could just see the front office completely freaking out in that particular moment because now it's not just the cancellation of the game, but now there's injuries from from, from the moment. Uh, and, yeah, so, Colton, uh, congratulations. Uh, your crazy happening is now part of FC Dallas legend and myth. There's a video of the O flying. Is there? There is. Oh, I haven't seen it. You'll have to put that in our group chat, please, sir. I've yeah, not seen that. It's actually the uh, the Fox Four story. I guess they managed to get hold of uh, of a video where you can see parts of the O just coming towards them. Yeah, that's terrifying. Uh, I got a copy of a picture of the O without the the lens piece that flew off, and I included that in the uh, in the in the addition to the list along with a graphic of kind of showing where he was standing versus where it flew from. It's a crazy distance. He's so lucky he didn't get hurt worse. Yeah. It's amazing there wasn't like a, a serious injury period. But here's the thing. I, I mean, look, the, the club can't, can't control the weather in any way, shape, and form. And certainly the dramatics of the front blowing through, I guess, is a little predictable or whatever. I think if I have a frustration as a fan, and the part that I can't figure out is why is it that for a club that has to deal with this, it feels like two or three times every season, the process of communicating the delay time whether or not the game's going to be picked back up and re, you know restarted or played at all or postponed to the next day just feels like a really, really broken system. Like, I only found out last night, at one point there was a Hispanic journalist that was reporting the game was picking back up at 10.35, and he was saying he was told that by somebody in the FC Dallas front office. Well, 10.35 came and went, and then the first official thing that I saw from anybody related to the club was Owen who does the radio um, play-by-play? It was it was really weird because um, so I, I was down near the south end where the interview room is. So Dan Hunt was popping in and out, and you know a couple people were asking him, you know, what's going on, and you know, he's like, you know, we're just waiting for the the countdown. It's ten ten was going to be when the final decision was made. 10.10 came, and it was, okay, playing. Play is going to resume 10.35. Oh, so that um, was a fit, that was announced 10.35. It wasn't announced, but it it's 100% true. It was happening. Um, one of the guys I was, I was talking to actually was on a text with uh, somebody who works for, for the team that was on the uh, communication back to MLS. And uh, he... He's like, yeah, we're we're trying to get the game going, but I think the match commission is gonna overrule it and cancel it. And then, sure enough, it was dead on ten thirty hit, and one of the security people down by the field just was like, nope, everyone's got to leave. And then, a few minutes later, they actually put the announcement around the stadium. Why did the security person say everybody had to leave? Because they'd just been radioed that the game was off. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, the, the communication was just 
bizarre. But I mean, I, you don't you don't hear anything up in the press box either. It's it's well, uh, no, that's my experience too. After all these years, is that we get into these games where you're at the press box, or you're at the game, or you're at home, and nobody seems to have any real clear idea as to what's going on. And whoever is in control of that isn't communicating with the communications team who are uh, apparently unable or unallowed to communicate to the public. I don't know. It just feels like because this happens so often, there should be a very clear plan as to how this should go down. But maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass and I don't know what I'm talking about. No, you're 100% right. And it's something that should be led by the league too, especially, you know, you've got, You've got a lot of parties who have a say in it, right? Apple TV is now going to have a say. The league's going to have a say. Both teams are going to have a say. The referee's going to have a say. Potentially, you know, police slash fire for public safety is going to have a say. But well, it just feels like to me that every 15 minutes, somebody should get on social media and say the status of the game is this, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's you know, it's funny. Um, some of the times you're up in the, in the press box and, and uh, you know, one of the guys will get a text like, okay, warm-ups in 20 minutes. And then you're like, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Lightning flash hits. So it's, it's, it's hard because that that countdown resets so frequently. Yeah, it would be great if there was a, even if it was an update, there is no update. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it was just weird because we got so late into the night. At one point, I saw Buzz tweet out that he was leaving the station, the stadium, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, if Buzz is leaving, this thing's definitely not getting started. And then I saw the tweet from the uh, Latin, the, the Spanish station reporter saying the game was starting at ten thirty-five, and I think, man, Buzz is going to be pissed because he just left ten minutes ago. No, I, I, I think at that point I knew. Uh, from you know, let's your call salt, sources. Your, oh. <laughs> the game wasn't getting played. This wasn't just you being a salty veteran and a native of the Dallas Fort Worth area. I'm sure that factors, but I was pretty sure what was happening. You know, I, I knew that they were basically they were waiting for a certain time frame before they could call it. Yeah. You know? And I was looking at the weather and knew that there was no way they were gonna that weather was gonna go away before they got to that time frame. And so I, I was like, I'm out. That was the ten ten. That was supposed to be the, if it's happening, it's happening. If it's not, it's not. It was yeah. the match commissioner made the call after that, though. That's what they say. I, I sort of had been given a nudge that it was like, they're just waiting for 1010 to call it, not make a decision, but the decision had been made. You mm-hmm. know, what, Whether my nudge nudge was any more true or not than anything else, I've been told about that. You know, it's, it's hard to say, but. You know, when I looked at the weather and I looked and I felt that nudge, I was like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to be unfair to anybody because those situations can be completely chaotic and there's a lot of moving parts and different people making decisions. I just feel like after all these years and after all of these experiences of games getting delayed due to weather, and it's not like this is exclusive to Dallas, right? Like, I feel like there should be some sort of, and I'm sure there is some sort of guideline at the league level that says this is how you handle these things. And I don't mean the process of making the decision if it's going to be postponed or played or whatever. I'm just purely talking about how do you communicate this both to the media and the public as to what is going on so that everybody's not sitting around waiting for something. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't really have a good answer for that. I would agree with you that that, that I feel like they're. But shouldn't that be really easy? It's, 
I don't know. Doesn't I mean, somebody, well, let me put it this way. Somebody knows at any given moment what the status of the game is, right? Somebody has to know this. I'm not sure that there's, there's, there's there may be too many factors um, of politics. You know, it's, as Dan said, it's, you know, kind of the match commissioner's call, but like, sometimes when the owner's standing there saying, <laughs> we, we want to play this game, you know, things happen, politics happen. So, well, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I was standing there and Dan Hunt is standing there with the referee and the match commissioner pointing out, like, the field's drained really well. We can play this. And, yeah. you know, they'd brought all the equipment in, they started bringing it back out. And then it was, so it was kind of like, oh, it's happening. It's absolutely happening. And then it was almost a surprise at that point when they said, actually, no, it's off. I wonder why they decided not to play it. Did that, was there more lightning? It started raining pretty heavily again. Ah, okay. Well, uh, they have a lightning detector out there. I know they do because it's out there at the, at the concession stand for the, uh, for the fields. So I know they've got that, an actual detector at the facility that is set for a you know a range to detect lightning and that is supposed to be i think the official determiner if there's lightning in the area i yeah i, I know nothing <laughs> <laughs> no it was it was it was chaos it was it was a, such a weird i mean here's the crazy thing right say like you know there should be better you know better communication better organization Cast your mind back a few years ago when there was that delay against, I want to say it was Houston, and the stadium. Oh no, sorry, it was it was the Toronto game when there was that three hour weather delay, and we finished at like one to five to one in the morning. Yeah, they told people to go to their cars because there was no there was no stadium evacuation plan. There was no plan in case of weather or anything. So people were trying to like go to the ops tunnel and they were like, no, you, you have to go to your car. Like we have no plan. We, we cannot do anything for you. Yeah. That's the problem that I have about last night is it is the, what happened with the weather while they have no control over it was largely pretty predictable. Like, I think, I feel like we've all lived here long enough to know in the fall when you see that line of storms coming, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a gentle sprinkle. It's gonna be a violent couple of minutes of wind and storm and, and lightning. And it just feels like the fact that they allowed the game to get so close to be played, even that decision I'm, I'm curious about. Like, who made that decision? But... Uh, I don't know. It just seems very weird. To it's me. hard, right? Because if you think about games, and, and this is this is Europe, right? This is much. This is geographically smaller scale. If you're going to call a game off, you call a game off before the team leaves to to go to the ground. So, you know, if that means in winter you're playing a team who's halfway across the country, the pitch inspection is done the day before. Makes sense when when they when they get on a bus or on a plane. Colorado's in town. They've, they've, you know, probably been in town, you know, since the previous day. You can't do anything like a pitch inspection because it's an atmospheric thing that may or may not happen close to kickoff. So the the process of calling the games off, yeah, you're you're 100 right that they have to figure out better because Frisco isn't the only place that's faced with severe lightning storms half the time. Well, no, that's the part that I'm confused by because I, if I remember last night looking at the radar, uh, you know, it wasn't 
it wasn't like it was five minutes before the game started that the the line of storms uh, blew up. It was you could see it coming well long before they probably even came out for pregame warmups, yeah, like and that's why. Well, <laughs> yes, but I mean, when, but the but at some point. From a meteorological standpoint, and I know Mark Followell is, you know, is he's the one that's got a kind of a degree in this, is you can do the math and figure out when the storm's going to arrive. Like, you know how fast it's traveling, you know how fast it's, far, how far away it is at that particular moment, and it was... It was at like 6.30, 6.45. I was like, yeah, there's no way this game's kicking off. This is happening faster than even I thought it was going to. Because initially, based on early uh, weather reports, the line wasn't supposed to pass through until after 8 o'clock, somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. And so when it started showing up that it was going to arrive somewhere closer to 7.30, I thought, man, this game's never even going to happen. So when I found out that they were out warming up and there were pregame activities going on, I thought that's really, really weird. I don't know, man. I, it just, I, I don't know. I, I wish I knew, I understood the whole process of how that decision making thing's going on. I'm sure somebody's listening to this and punching their dashboard, <laughs> yelling at us to shut up because we don't know what we're talking about. But it does feel like a very broken system where nobody has a real plan. I guess it's hard because you've got to figure out, like, actually, that you know, fitting fitting the game in. There were little gaps in this in there, so that period, I guess, after the the main storm, there was like this. You know, when you looked at the radar, there was this huge hole and donut hole, yeah. And the stadium was right in the middle of it, and it's kind of just how long does that last? Is there a window to 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 play, or is it just a case of get home while you still can? Well, probably yeah. with the whole game to be played, they ha- they've never felt like they had a big enough window. Cause you don't want to end up with a split game again, like we had against St. Louis, you know. No, uh, it just felt like they should have just canceled the game before they let anybody come out to do yeah, warm ups. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a little too. And I felt too, like we were talking too, about it from Monday on. I mean, what the weather? Yeah, it was, yes. was going to get canceled. Or, yes, or, or I, I play. Yeah, well, you know, it is Texas after all. You never know exactly what's going to happen. But I do feel like at least an hour prior to the game, it was pretty clear that it was going to be a a bit of a crummy situation. I I will admit to being very naive because I just believed that my phone said it had an 87% chance of rain. I was like, I can't be that bad if it's only 87%. I'll just take (laughs) Uh, a rain jacket. I'll be good. You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, enough of that. Uh, Real quick, a couple of notes before we end up. We have uh, FC Dallas nominees for different MVP or of the year stuff, and there's lots of people listed here. Yeah, Jesus is up for MVP, and then Nico for coach, Martin Paz for goalkeeper. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nico is up for coach of the the year? The team nominate. Yeah. Every, the team oh. nominates a person for every position, no matter what the award is. Ah, yeah, don't you okay. remember uh, when when yes. uh, Marco Ferrucci was up for coach of the year? <laughs> yes, I forgot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Tafari's up for defender of the year. These are just the club's nominees. Bernard Camungo is newcomer of the year. Alan Velasco is young player of the year. And Ariola's up for what used to be humanitarian of the year, but now has this eight-month-long read of sponsors of the year. So... <laughs> And the point is that none of those people are finalists. What matters is who the finalists are going to be. And none of those people are going to be finalists at all. You don't think Bernie will be a finalist for a newcomer with his story? No. Oh, probably because he got injured, didn't play a lot. What is the last well, and the guy at St. Louis. And... Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, and yeah, they also, these people point. all play for FC Dallas. 
So, you know, even if you were in first place, you still play for FC Dallas and the national media ignore FC Dallas. So you're so bitter. I'm not, Buzz. You're, I, you're so it's old not that and bitter. I'm bitter. It's that I've been doing this for 27 years and I can okay, count the, the finalists for MLS awards from FC Dallas on one hand, you know, other than <laughs> the, the two, new Paul Gardner. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm trying to get the next Paul Gardner. Uh, so, you know, the one that should be a candidate for at least a candidate for it is pause for goalkeeper of the year, but he won't be, you know, but nobody else on this list, maybe Bernie should be up for a young player. Of the year. Oh, sorry. Newcomer of the year. And maybe you can make a case for Velasco, but there's a lot of good young players. Velasco doesn't have the stats. And when your team's in ninth place, you're not going to win any of these awards. You know, these okay. awards go to players on teams that are in first place or top three or four, maybe. So what you're saying is we just wasted a minute of the time. No, it's worth discussing who they are because it is a news item. And, and I think you can make a case that Martin Paz is going to get hosed on this, even though he should at least be a finalist. I don't think he will be. We agree with you on that. All right, North Texas roster moves happened. Yeah, it was pretty chalk, except for, uh, quite surprisingly to me, Hope uh, Veyu was uh, had his option not picked up. Now, there's a couple of reasons why that could be. One is that he's already signed a new deal to be with North FC Dallas, potentially. They could have not picked it up because they didn't like the number and they want to re-sign him for maybe a North Texas deal. That's also possible. Or it's possible that he asked to go to the USL where he could play more. All those things are very possible. I cannot fathom that they looked at this team and watched him be the best player on the team for like for the, all season long and then thought, now nah, that guy's trash and let him go. So I don't understand it. If that's what it is, I don't understand it at all. You know, from time to time, the last several years, there's been decisions that I don't understand in terms of talent. And if, if dumping Hope of A is what's happening, I, I don't understand it because they're, they're signing guys worse than that all the time. And that's so. North Texas is always weird, right? Because their whole premise is. They sign guys to project to the first team. The second they don't, they dump them. Sure. So, you know, it may be a case of some of the guys are, are trash and are like, actually, no, I see I see something we can polish out here. And, you know, Hope's had, had that sort of two, two, three years now. That seemed to be what, uh, Christ, I've forgotten the fella's name now. Bernie. Nah, the uh, uh, Ronaldo Damas and uh, Alpha Saini Jatta. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's better than them. He's only 20 years old. I think he's capable of being in the first team. You know, I see a talent at that level. You know, again, admittedly, he's an international player. Maybe that's a factor, certainly. You know, and like I said, there are reasons why they might have declined it that have to do with the technicalities of whatever's next for the kid. But, um, you know, if the answer is they're just letting him walk, I, you know, I don't. They draft guys older than this that aren't anywhere near as good, and keep them around for two years. So I don't, I don't get it. If this is just a dump, the kid, I don't get it. Mm. You know, uh, are they playing in Arlington again next year? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then let's see. Dan, uh, Open Cup qualifying here locally has been taking place. Yeah, I went out to uh, see. Uh, 4SC, which is uh, Michel's team that he coaches, um, play against 1015SC, which was uh, actually Zach Lloyd's team. So oh, how did that go? It was uh, 4-0-1-2-0 over in Carrollton at uh, Prince of Peace. Uh, they move on to the third round now. Uh, third qualifying round, sorry. To uh, They're going to go down to Houston and play Athletic, athletic Katie. 
FC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it'd be great if they, they get a chance of getting to the first round. I think there's going to be four qualifying rounds this year. Um, in the past, there were three, but, uh, you know, things uh, things evolve over time. Um, but, yeah, really, you know, interesting game. Uh, saw an absolute banger of a second goal from Hector Romero in stoppage time. Uh, 10-15's best player was... Uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Tyler Lee, a centre-back who actually plays for the uh, the Cayman Islands national team. Then uh, he has an, has an amazing performance, but then misreads a cross and deflects it in his own net. Like, absolute cruelest way to uh, to give one up. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you going out and supporting local soccer and the U.S. Open Cup. Absolutely. Yeah, so what are, what, when's when's the next is there an, a game that other people can locally go see next um so they since the next round on the 21st is in is in houston um you know locally wow. those those two teams uh 10 15 and and four both play U, uh, upsl they were actually due to have a rematch on the 21st but now uh now four is going to be a little busy with other stuff um yeah, four O's top of that league. They're actually the only team that's beaten uh, the FC Dallas Youth, uh, the well, the academy team so far. I think okay. they kind of caught them on a bad week on the first week of the season. So yeah, the nineteens had a red card too. That didn't help. Uh, related to Open Cup talk, uh, I get an opportunity to throw in very quickly uh, two references. One, the wonderful third degree Discord, which I enjoy very much, and two. Uh, Kit Talk. Did you guys see this kick-ass team from Seattle called Sharktop- Sharktopus? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was me Sharktopus to put it in Sharktopus FC? There. Huh? That was me to put it in there. Oh, I thought it was somebody else. Someone put Sorry. the kit in. I, I, said, I, I, I uh, said that I hope well, to get far enough to play FC Dallas. Oh, okay. Well, no, no. I was the kit that caught my eye because it's an awfully snazzy kit. Uh, I love it, but I love the name Sharktopus FC. I think that's pretty fantastic. And they're, uh, I guess they won one of their Open Cup games and they're on to the next round up there in that particular region. Um, it's a lovely, would you call that salmon or pink? The uh, jersey. Let's, let's go with pink. Okay, it's kind of a pink with a octopus pattern in the background. And then it says Sharktopus in big, bright, uh, light blue letters uh, across the chest, and I dig it. It's uh, pretty fantastic. You I think can, that's fun. You can buy it for fifty dollars from Olive in York. <laughs> I may, I may have to do that. Uh, all right, Buzz, have we covered all of our bases tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a really weird story that I wanted to bring up. Did you see that report that Matt Turner uh, tried to get to play for Lithuania back in 2018? No, yeah, they basically ghosted him, and now of course he's starter for the national team and plays for Arsenal. I think it's really funny. Just sometimes how no, he's playing for Nottingham Forest. Oh uh, yeah, he sorry, sorry, you're right. Yeah, Nottingham Forest. He's in the Premier yes. League, you know. Yes. Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's funny that how a career can migrate from 2018, where he calls Lithuania of all people, and they ghost him, <laughs> and now he's the number one basically for the U.S. It's just weird. Yeah, uh, he had a he had a very frightening game for Forrest last weekend. It did uh, it was not his it was not his finest hour um uh in the game. He's lucky he didn't get a penalty kick called against him. 
um, when he fouled Wiesa for Brentford in the box, trying to clear. But Wiesa, he held the ball a little. You know, like that's our big worry about Matt is his footwork with the ball. Yeah. He waited a little too long with the ball, and Wiesa caught up to him, and he was very lucky to have gotten the ball away. But in the process of clicking, kicking the ball away, he then clobbered Wiesa, and it was a shock. It was just another example of some of the bad uh, VAR stuff that happened in the Premier League this weekend that it didn't come back and turn into a penalty They got some shockers with their VAR, don't they? Yeah, they got lots of problems, yes. Hopefully he'll have another stinker on the 21st. That's the one thing that we do better than the EPL's VAR. Is that the one night I have to root against Matt Turner is when they play Luton? Yeah, obviously. Okay, that's right. Fair enough. Are you going to root for him when they play United? At this point, I, don't, <laughs> I may actually root for Matt Turner against my team because they're so bad at this particular point. <laughs> they're terrible. Terrible. Um, terrible. terrible. All right. Boys, I think. Uh, well, Dan, it's good to have you back. It's good, good to be Win back. in your pocket. We'll try and make it a little bit more regular as time allows. Yeah, well, I'm glad you weren't uh, mortally wounded last night in the disaster. <laughs> Dan Crook killed uh, by a trash can. That's right. <laughs> that would make for the weirdest episode of Third Degree of the Podcast if we had to announce that Dan Crook was killed by a trash can. <laughs> a plastic one, no less. Happy plastic. All right. Thank you, Dan. It's good to talk to you. Likewise. And Buzz. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry you drove all that way for nothing last night. Yeah, well, you know, I, was, I met some people and uh some 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 patrons and shook some hands and kissed some babies and it was all good. And a couple of dollar hot dogs. Yeah. And uh, I had an eight dollar hot dog because I went to Chiba Hut on the way and it was glorious. Oh, Is there a new Chiba Hut? Yeah, it's on Preston. Yeah. Preston and what? Uh, south of the tollway. It's uh, just north of Cam- It's between Campbell and Frankfurt. Yep. Okay, I'll have to yeah, go I check that one out. It opened on my birthday, so that was my lunch on my birthday. Yeah. All right. So that was super exciting to have. Can we make an effort to see if we can get Chiba Hut to become an official sponsor of Third Degree of the Podcast? <laughs> I think they got bigger fish to fry than us. But <laughs> I don't think we have enough weed references. Oh. For yeah. them, not not for me. For for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dan always ends the pod, goes to his wife and go, we didn't talk enough about pot tonight. God well, damn it. <laughs> maybe in five more years when we hit episode 420, they'll, they'll join in. <laughs> we'll cut them a special yeah. deal. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about the, four- the FC Dallas attack being blunt. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Third Degree the Podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Hey, did you guys hear? Soccer90.com, they got a lot of balls and they're on sale. 50% off. Balls everywhere. Euro balls, league balls, women's world cup balls. Man, they got an overflow of balls up there at soccer90.com. 50% off. Get your order, get your balls, pro balls, mini balls, you name it. And of course, listeners get 20% off of other things you order. With a code third degree at checkout, some exclusions may apply. All right, boys, thank you very much, and thank you, FC Dallas Curious. We will speak to you next week after uh, hopefully a big old win on Third Degree the Podcast. Flying trash cans. Get well, Colton. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nair Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nair Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nair Podcast. Third degree, 
Yeah, I can. 